Just because you need him doesn't mean you're weak. This is the appropriate response to our God. This is what he wants for us. You're in the will of God when you need him. You're in his perfect will when you are trusting in him for strength, for help to overcome. You are absolutely in his will. So I just release you from the guilt, from trying to feel like you have to have everything together in order to be a good Christian in Jesus' name. Because when we call out to him and we say, I need you, that is exactly where he wants you to be. That is exactly where he wants you to be. He is our strength when we are weak. And in our weakness, we are strong in him. He wants you to know that today. For some of you, you're feeling guilty because you're weak. We're all weak. (laughs) Don't feel guilty because you're weak. Don't feel guilty because you're sad or you're broken or you're frustrated or you're, or you're depressed. It's when you're calling out to God, you are in his will. The moment you call on his name, the moment you step towards him is the moment that you step into the blessing and the provision and the protection and the anointing of the spirit. This is the place he wants you to be all the time. And you're just like, I don't know if I could do that. But doesn't it feel good to cast your cares on him? Doesn't it feel good to say, I don't have to have it all together? And say, God, I, I can't do it all. I need your help. And to know that he is available and he wants to help each and every time we ask. It doesn't matter if we've asked for it five times, five million times. He wants to help. He's glad to help. He wants to bring you strength. He wants to bring you hope. He wants to encourage you. He is not tired of helping you. It is exactly where he wants to be. It's exactly where he wants to be. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're teaching us and showing us, Lord God. And I'm just believing for breakthrough this morning, Lord God. I believe that there are those who got a word from you and something from you this morning. And I pray that they would hold tightly to that. God, you are the anchor. You are the cornerstone. You are the rock. You are our fortress. You are our deliverer. You are a present help in time of trouble. You are our refuge. You are the one that we can depend on. You are the rock in which we build our hills, hill, our house upon. God, that is you. You are a firm foundation. And as long as we're building and we stand on that foundation. You are with us. And 
nothing can overcome us. For if God is for us, who can be against us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Amen. If you'd like tissues, they're available here up at the front. Um, maybe we should move them further back, you know, I, I don't know. But um, we're going to dismiss our kids to go down. If you're ages seven and down, I guess, then you are released to go. I think, who's taking them today? Somebody is. They're probably downstairs already. But Heidi will make sure that your kids are not downstairs all by themselves. Isn't that good of her? Friends, we're just a family here. We're not here to put on a show. We're here to be together. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to help each other when when some of us are weak. We help each other. Church is about people. About us loving each other and helping each other and worshiping together. Dwight, that was just anointed worship, brother. I appreciate you bringing it. It's a blessing to me. I've been wor- I did like 12 services last week, so to have someone else come and lead is just what a blessing. So thank you very much, being led by the Spirit of God. I didn't pick those songs. God just worked it out. Hmm. It is good to be. It is good to be here. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans 12. It's been a while since I had a chance to come and share the Word with you, and so I'm kind of continuing on understanding the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that God has given us, and helping us understand what those gifts mean in our life helping us understand what, how God can use us and how he wants to use us. So we're going to continue on that path because there's still lots of gifts to get through. Romans chapter 12. You're going to have to read it because it's not on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible, then you can get out your... They used to call it a PDA, you know. It used to be called a PDA. Now it's called a superphone or a thunderphone or whatever you call it now. Because, like, what do you go after superphone? Like, like what's after superphone? Like, how do you get better than a superphone? But they're going to come up with some name, like wonderful phone. I don't know. Something better than super. If you don't have the phone, if you don't have the Bible on your phone, like, why not? Like, put the Bible on your phone. It's a free app. Just go to whatever app store that you're at and look up under Bible, and there'll be a free Bible there. Put a Bible on your phone. Okay, I just had to get that out. I've been on a lot of uh, road trips this past month, a lot of back and forth. Um, yesterday, I drove down from Kirkland Lake, Ontario. That is uh, about five and a half to six hours away straight north, and so I just drove down. Uh, John and I, John was playing drums with me. I was leading worship at a Silver Birch's camp last week, and uh, that was a blessing. 
um, because I get a chance to hear other speakers preach the word and it fills me, you know? It just brings encouragement to me and, and as your pastor uh, and preaching on a regular basis, I need to be filled just like you. I need to, I need to be challenged by the word just like you and believe it or not, I, sometimes I challenge myself when I speak but most of the time it's kind of what's already in my head so it's like I need to be challenged and so it's been an amazing week of being challenged by, by God and being challenged in the word and just being, and so it's just kind of been every day. So my heart, you know, my heart and my spirit's full. And uh, that's exciting, you know, because it's, it's then uh, I, you know, kind of revives you so that you can continue to give. But we've been on some few, a few road trips, a few back and forths. And uh, because we had, uh, we had John with us, then we had seven people in our van up to Kirkland Lake, and um, and no offense to me or John, but me and John were in the van, so like, <laughs> that takes up a lot of space in there, like, there's not a lot of room for the rest of the people, because John and I are in there, and, and uh, that's just the way it is, you know, it's like, it's all good, it's just, I had to fit, you know, five other people in there, plus all of our luggage, plus all of our instruments, and... Uh, it's a good thing I'm extraordinarily good at packing, you know. Um, but the, ch- the challenge when you fill up your vehicle full of small children and take long trips is to actually get through the trip without completely hating one another, Right? I know that's quite a confession. I understand that you feel like, oh my goodness, Pastor Shane, don't you treat your children like they're darlings all the time? Of course I do, just not in the van. Um, so getting through the trip is the challenge. It's, it's getting people to, when they are in close quarters, I mean, sometimes we sit beside each other in church and that's nice for about an hour and a half. But if you can imagine, you know, being seat-belted into your chairs and sitting there for the next six, an hour, six hours, you know, you'd probably get on each other's nerves a little bit, you know. It'd be like, move over and, yeah. But I have four boys, and they, they compete for spots, and, and Riker's getting old enough where he feels like he has a voice, so he gets to compete too, and, and, uh, and it's a challenge. And so we've come up with this thing is that, you know, Becky found that, um, these audiobooks of of children's stories, and so they've they've been enamored with these audiobooks. So we get them from the library. We put this audiobook on, and I'm telling you, it was like peace all of the way up. And you're like, this is extraordinary. Um, it didn't work as well on the way back. Um, they didn't really want to listen to the story. One wanted to listen to the music. One wanted to listen to the story, and then they're yelling at each other and screaming at each other, and. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to get people to get along, you know? Sometimes it's hard. And even for people in church to get along, because, like, you're close quarters, you get together on a regular basis and spend time together, and then as you get to know each other, you're just kind of like, "Mm, that's annoying what you're doing. And you kind of get on each other's nerves. Well, Paul, Paul in, in Romans chapter 12, Paul's trying to bring a church together. You got to understand that when Paul is, is writing to the church in Romans, and I've said this before, he's writing to a church that's full of Jews and full of Gentiles. Listen, 
The Jews for centuries were taught to never spend time with Gentiles. They were ordered under their law that they could not intermarry, that they could not go over to their house and eat. You couldn't go to their house to eat. That was a huge thing for people in that day. You weren't even allowed to go to their house to eat. You weren't supposed to spend time with them. You weren't supposed to befriend them. Jews and Gentiles were not supposed to be together for centuries and centuries. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit of God gets poured out and levels the playing field and says, Oh, by the way, the Spirit is not just for, salvation is not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles, it's for everybody else. And so now you've got Jews and Gentiles all in the same church for centuries who have been taught to not like Gentiles, to not go to their house. And so you can imagine how opinions of each other would have gone for those centuries. Well, you know, I'm a Jew, I'm chosen. So you're just a Gentile, unchosen. And, you know, I've been chosen by God, so obviously that makes me better than you, right? You can imagine how that attitude would come across, right? Those Jews think they're so good. They think they're so, like, chosen by God. And who they think they are, they think it's... You can imagine. I'm not talking just about, like, a couple of years. I'm talking about thousands of years of historical context of Jews not spending time with Gentiles. And now all of a sudden, not only are they together, they're in the same church, and God is calling them not just to be together, but to work together, to live together, to love one another. That would have been tough. Listen, I'm telling you, it would have been tough. It would have been tough for Paul to try and get these people to play nice because I'm telling you, they hadn't played nice for centuries. For millennium, they hadn't played nice. So Paul's trying to write to Romans. He's like, he says, you know, for the first whole, you know, first chapter 1 to 11, Paul is, is giving you theology saying, okay, this is what it means to have faith. This is what it means to, uh, to have sin, and this is what God did for us. And he goes through this theological expression between chapters 1 and 11, and all of a sudden he comes to chapter 12, and he's like, okay, I just taught you who Jesus is and what he means to us, and this is what you need to do now. Here's what you need to do. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and, and proper worship. He wasn't telling the people to burn themselves on an altar. That's not what he was telling them to do. He was telling them to give their lives to Jesus, give their lives to God. This was not about Jew or Gentile. This was about you giving your life to God and what was best for the kingdom of God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in according with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Remember what I said about the Jews and the Gentiles? Right? Paul hits the nail on the head. says, you shouldn't think that you're better than anybody else. 
So he's saying to all the Jews, you shouldn't think you're better than the Gentiles. And saying to all the Gentiles, you, didn't, you shouldn't think that you're better than the Jews. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we through many, though many, have formed one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Just that statement of saying each member belongs to one another would have been huge. Again, Jews and Gentiles, you belong to me, I belong to you. No, no, that's, that's unequally yoked. That's not right. But God says it is right. So we have different gifts according to the grace each has given us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy and do it cheerfully. We've talked about a lot of the gifts today. We are talking about what it means to have the gift of giving. The gift of giving. And so we talk about it today, and so we, the, the Greek word, I'm giving you the Greek word again because I'm trying to look smart. So the Greek word is called, is metadidomy. Metadidomy uh, is the Greek word for giving. And it's a, simple, it's a simple gift of giving, but it just goes beyond giving. The word meta in the Greek language says to go above and beyond. So this is not just about giving. This is going above and beyond giving. This is not just doing what you're supposed to do. This is, there's, a, there's, there's this gift that someone has. It's not just what's appropriate. It's not just, okay, you gave me a gift at Christmas, and I'll give you a gift at Christmas. It is talking about the actual gift of giving, that there are those people who are just better at giving, those people who have the gift of just giving. The problem is, is that giving in the English language means so many things. We use the word give to express a lot of things. So let me take the two couple of scriptures where the, the actual gift is talking about. Luke three chapter sorry Luke chapter three verse ten eleven says what should we do then the crowd asked and John answered anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. That's Luke chapter three verse ten. So if you have two shirts and you see that someone has no shirts that you should take one of your shirts and give it to them. I have a hard time with my children like this all the time because one will have two jawbreakers and the other one will have none. They'll be like, no, I really want two jawbreakers. But, but your brother doesn't have any. Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> I want my two. Well, the Bible says that the gift of giving is about understanding this. And so, and so when it says that when one has the other, that one should share that word, anyone who has two shirts should share, it's this, it's this gift. It's talking about metadidomy. It's talking about the gift of giving. It's this, this idea that when we have, we should give. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25, 28 Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Let me read that again. Do something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. 
Isn't it interesting that it seems as though God gives us things to share and not just to keep for ourselves? We're not really good at sharing, are we? Right? We're not really good at sharing. When you go and buy a new car, is your first instinct to say, hey, would you like to drive my new car? It's not. (laughs) Would you like to borrow my car for the weekend? No. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Oh, I just, you know, I just bought some, you know, I just bought some steak here at my house. Would you like to come over and eat my steak? No. I want to eat my steak because it costs me a lot of money. Oh, you know, that's, and so we have this idea. We're just not used to sharing. This isn't, this isn't what's been programmed into us in North America inside of our culture. There are other cultures who are very, very good at sharing, but, but others who are not. And, and this is one of them. We're not used to sharing. What we believe is ours is ours, right? That's my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. And I'm afraid that if you touch my stuff, you're going to break my stuff. And if you break my stuff, well, I'm going to break you. Right? Don't touch my stuff because then you'll break my stuff. And if you break my stuff, then I'll be mad. Right? That's what we're scared of. We're scared of sharing because we genuinely believe that what we, that has been given to us is for us. Right? That's the default understanding. The default understanding is that all the stuff that we have is for us to enjoy. That's my stuff. Thank you, God, for giving me my stuff. But it seems as though the Bible is trying to teach us that what we've been given, that we should work hard to enjoy the things God gives us, it's not so that we can enjoy them, but so that others in need can share in the blessing. So that others in need can share with the blessing. That our motivation shouldn't even be for ourselves, but that, that we could share with those who have none. I don't really like what Pastor Shane is saying. I don't want to share my stuff. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I understand how you feel. But we need, we need, our hearts and our minds and our emotions need to be attached to the Bible and the word of God in order for us to have life and us to have truth. We think that we're going to have satisfaction because we have the stuff that we have. When in reality, God is trying to tell you, you will have such more satisfaction if you're willing to work, even work. Imagine going to work. Imagine being motivated to work. So that you can make money not for you, but to bless those who don't have any. Some of us are better at that than others. And God has given a, a specific gift to those who are so, who have a gift of giving. You're just like, good. I'm pretty sure I don't have that gift, so I don't have to worry about that. No, we do. But there are some people who are just, who get this more than others. There are some people, it just, it just clicks in, and it's just like, you know what? What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. You can just take whatever. I remember being, you know, I remember when I was living in Godrich, and I, you know, I, my lawnmower broke down because I don't, well, I don't buy expensive equipment because I'm cheap, and so it breaks down. So that's just what happens. So um, it's pretty much nobody else's fault but my own. I get it, okay? So don't judge me. 
so I went, I went over to my neighbor and I just said, hey, do you think I could just, you know, my lawnmower broke down. Do you think I could just borrow your lawnmower? He's like, no, no, sorry. Well, what's the matter? I'm just like, I'm not going to. No, I, I, I decided, I decided a few years ago, I'm just, I'm not going to lend my stuff. No, thanks. No, I, I'm sorry. Can't, can't borrow it. I'm like, Wow. Okay, that feels bad, you know, like I was hoping to cut, you know, get it, you know, it kind of takes up a little bit of gumption just to even ask, right? Like it takes up a little bit of just to be able to say, look, you know, I've, I've got junky stuff, can I use your stuff? <laughs> like, like it's not working and I understand it's all my fault, but can I just use your stuff to cut my lawn? No, nope, no thanks. It doesn't feel good, does it? But it's this attitude in, in our society that that causes us to say, no, that your stuff is your stuff and my stuff is my stuff. And if your life gets worse and worse, it's okay because I'm okay with my stuff. And church, that is a, a very dangerous attitude for us to have. When we stop seeing the world around us and we stop seeing the people around us for those who are in need. And church, make no mistake, there are people in this room who are in need. Well, Pastor Shane, I mean, everybody's doing well in our church. They're doing okay. Everyone seems to be dressed pretty good. <laughs> Everyone seems to be doing okay for money. I'm sure everybody's fine. You know what? Truth is, everybody's not fine. I'm not going to name anybody's names. I'm not going to call people out, but people aren't fine. They're not doing okay. The gift of giving needs to rise up within the church needs to rise up under the church and says, what is needed? What can I give? How can I, how can I bless others? It may, I may not have this for myself, but I know that there are others who are in need. If you have two shirts and you see someone who doesn't have a shirt, you should give it. People in the early church used to do it all the time. Listen, they, they would sell pieces of land to give it to the church for, so people could disperse it and, and, and they could use it to feed the poor. They would sell it because they weren't, they realized that they had so much that they really didn't need, it really didn't bring them satisfaction, it really didn't bring them any sort of joy at all for them to own that piece of land, so they sold it and they said, Here. James chapter 1, verse 27, the most basic and purest form of religion is to take care of the widows and orphans. The moment we stop taking care of those who are poor, quite honestly, might be the moment we stop really understanding the gospel of Jesus. Because the, because the early church their, one of their highest priorities for even organizing was to make sure that the widows and the orphans were taken care of. Don't forget that the only reason that the deacons were appointed were because of the widows and orphans. That's the only wise they even organized. It wasn't to, you know what? It wasn't to build cathedrals. It wasn't for brick and mortar. I'm telling you that right now. You know where the early church met? On a porch. In the courtyard of the temple. That's where it's called Solomon's Colonnade. You know what it was? It wasn't a cathedral. It was a porch. 
It was a stoop. It was stools. It was a bench. That's all it was. The church was originally formed so that they could take care of those in need. The gift of giving needs to rise up in us because some of you have it. And the problem is that I think that you may even feel embarrassed to give. I think you may even feel like you don't want to look holier than now or you don't want to look rich because you're scared that people are going to judge you if you're rich which is ridiculous, that just because you have extra that God has blessed you with that doesn't necessarily, just because you have that doesn't make you selfish. Listen, just because someone has a lot of stuff doesn't mean they're selfish. Okay? Like, can we just put that down? Can we just put this down now? That just because someone has a lot of stuff that they have, that, that they have resources, that somehow they think of themselves all the time, that they're selfish, that they're just doing stuff for themselves? That is a load of bologna. And bologna is the lowest form of meat. So when I say bologna, that's bad. I'm sorry if you really like bologna. I apologize. So let's just get, let's just, let's just stop this. Let's just stop this attitude. That just because someone has extra means they're selfish. Because it's just not true. It's just not true. Abraham was one of the wealthiest men alive. Doesn't mean he was selfish. So, with that off the table... Let's forget about that. And that there are those who have resources. There are those who have extra. And you may not think that you have extra. You may not think, okay, well, I don't have much to give. And we th- but if we think about it, there's something inside of us that is just wish that we could do something for the kingdom of God. And there's some of you who are holding back on that just because you feel like you'll be judged or that you'll be taken advantage of. And I'm here today to tell you that's not Jesus. That's Satan speaking to you at that moment, judging you for maybe you think to yourself, maybe I am being selfish. That's not God. Because there's also a part of you that wants to bless others, that wants to give, that wants to be generous, and that God desperately needs you to rise up to bless those people that have none. I'm not even talking about tithing. I'm talking about blessing those who don't have any. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about giving to those who don't have it. Now, it takes some relationship to find out what people need. This isn't about, listen, church, the the gift of giving isn't necessarily just about saying, okay, well, I'll just, you know, find somebody and give them some money, and that's, that's the gift of giving. The gift of giving takes relationship. It takes relationship to find out in people's lives what they need. Some people just need, some people just need time. 
But for the most part, gift, the gift of giving is about resources. It says, if you are gifted at giving, seems redundant, if you're gifted at giving, give generously. Give generously. If that's what your gift is, then give generously. Then get on it. Then do it. In all of these things, Romans has this list of things that, that we're gifted to do. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. It's interesting that Paul says, if your gift is giving, then give. If your gift is leadership, then lead. Do it. (laughs) Because the moment you do it, I believe with my whole heart, the moment that you function in your gifting, you jumpstart God's purposes in your life. that you begin to discover the reason God puts you on the planet, that if you function in your gifting, you're just like, oh my goodness. This is why I was created. This is part of who I am. For some of you, that's giving. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have millions of dollars or all this extra income. Some of you just have, you have things that you want to give. You see people in need and you want to do it, but you just... The other thing is that sometimes we feel guilty about giving to those who are in need because we don't want them to feel like we're pitying them. Right? Well, I don't want to to offend them. Church, 99% of the people are just going to be so blessed off of their socks. There was a... I think I, I might have told you this story before, but I was in, when I was doing youth ministry in Goderich, and, and one year we decided as a youth group that we would give out turkeys to people in our church, turkeys and potatoes and stuffing, and, and um, so we decided who was going to be on the list, and, and there was this one family who just started going to our church about, you know, six months ago, and, and, uh, and I didn't really know them, but they didn't really look affluent. And I thought, I bet you they could really use Thanksgiving dinner. And so we decided that we would drop it off that night. It was like late at night, and I've never been to their house. It was like 20 minutes away, way out in the country. And so you're kind of like in this dark house, and you're walking up the stairs, and you're like, I hope I'm going to be okay. Because <laughs> it was dark. And, it was, and so I open the door, I knock on the door, and I'm like, we just wanted to give this to you. And they're like, thank you so much. And we thought, oh, okay, that's great. They're, they're happy. I didn't find out until two or three years later. I don't know why he didn't tell me the story, but he should have. Two or three years later, he comes to me and says, Pastor Shane, I need you to tell you about the day that you brought me a turkey. Because we had our whole family come over. And they all came over for Christmas. It was such a blessing for them to have us at Christmas. And they all came over and we just did not have the money to feed them. We didn't have enough money to buy a turkey. Potatoes. Potatoes are cheap. 
Turkey's the cheapest meat on the face of the earth. Except for bologna. Thanks, Jen. Way to ruin it. It's good. So we take them, and he said, that was an answer to prayer. We were praying that God would give us a turkey and, and a, a meal for our family because we didn't have the money for it. We were praying for a turkey, and you showed up at our door with a turkey. Church, if you have something to give, I'm telling you that 99% of the time, it will be an extraordinary blessing of God. There may be a moment where someone gets too proud to receive your gift. Then you know what the Bible says? You stomp your feet, you clap your hands, and you walk away because you did your part. But for the 99 other percent, I am telling you, you will be a blessing. You are the hands and the feet of God, showing provision. Church, this is how God shows provision in the world. He does not have a bank account that he downloads into your bank account. That's not how it works. It only works through those who give. That's the only way supernatural provision happens. Checks don't just show up out of your door out of the bank account of God. He uses people who are gifted to give to show the extraordinary power of provision and resource in their life. Some of you have this inside of you. Some of you are just like, this is it, Pastor Shane, you're speaking to me. If you have the gift of giving, then do it. Forget about what other, other people think. Forget about what other people in the church might think. Forget about what I might think about how much money that you make or somebody else or somebody else's money they make. Forget about what the people who you're giving it to, what they're gonna think. Forget about it. God drops things in your heart for you to do it. For you to do it. Give generously. It's a gifting. What does it look like? What does the gift look like? It means physical needs being met. That's what it looks like. Someone who likes to do it, who likes to, to give these it's, it's generous regardless of financial. Look, I know of lots of people who aren't very affluent at all who love to give. Who love to give. My father-in-law loves to give people stuff. He's making me a trailer. I wanted a trailer. I needed a utility trailer. I'm going to brag on my father-in-law a bit. He's not here. Becky's not here, so it's not scoring me any points. Unless he downloads it, he's not going to download my sermon. I just, I said to him, I need a trailer. He's like, well, I'll build you a trailer. Okay. He can't afford to build me a trailer. Now he has some steel on his lot. He's got all the stuff that he could build a trailer. And so he's like, I'll build you a trailer. He's all excited about it. I saw him in North Bay yesterday. He's like, Shane, I almost got your trailer done. I've got 14-inch wheels on it. It's quarter-inch steel. And it's got a gate at the back. And it's like five by eight. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is a humongous trailer. Because secretly, my father-in-law, and I've told you this before, my, secretly, my father-in-law wants me to buy a truck. Because he's a truck guy. 
And he honestly believes the will of God for my life is for me to have a truck. So he's buying, so he's making me an oversized trailer that eventually is going to destroy my van so that I buy a truck. <laughs> Bill's like, I, I understand that. Listen. Listen. He doesn't have tons of money. But he has a gift of giving. And it just comes out. Just does it. He doesn't have a ton of money, but he's got stuff on his property. You've got stuff that's been sitting in your house for years you've never touched that would totally be a blessing to somebody else. Listen, you've got stuff in your house that's been sitting for years that you've never touched that would totally be a blessing to somebody else. So I challenge you about giving. There is a gift to giving. There are those, and that's where it comes from. So it's not about whether you have tons of money or a little bit of money. This is just about what's in your heart. It's compassionate towards those in need. Listen, there's something that happens with those who have the gift of giving. Something that happens when they see the need, all of a sudden compassion wells up. There's something inside of them that says, I want to help. I think I can help by doing this. They may not be able to go and listen to your story. But they might be able to give you an air conditioner when it's crazy hot in the summer. They may not be able to tell you the answers or where to look in the Bible about, uh, about all these truths of God's word, but I'm telling you, they could give you some money for groceries. And that gift is just as significant as every other gift. Just as significant. It's about compassion, seeing the need and wanting to meet the need. And it's also the understanding that those, those people understand that the Bible says that, that Jesus says that what you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. That when you give to the poor, it is an amazing representation of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to, to rescue those who are poor. To, for, the, for the people who are in the darkest moments of their life, that's why Jesus came. He came to bring people out of darkness into light. And when you operate in your gifting to give, you act like Jesus. Because his heart is so much for those who are in need. Why do we need it? Jesus commands. He came to seek and save the lost and that he came for the poor. Jesus commands it. That's why we need it. That's why we need the gift of giving that Jesus commands. We gotta take care of the poor. We gotta take care of those needs. We need it because honestly, as a culture, we need to be reminded that it's not all about us. We need to be reminded that it's not all about us, that this gift, the gifts that we have, the stuff that we have is not for us. But in fact, that God has blessed us, that in fact, that we should work hard so that we can share. We need this gift because it reminds us that our stuff is not just for us, but it's for us to share. And that generosity, we need this gift because generosity and giving is the spirit of Christ, that the spirit of Jesus is giving. Let me tell you, that the spirit of God is generous. 
He is not a stickler. Look at, look at me. The spirit of God is not a stickler with his spirit. It's not like Jesus says, well, you know, I'm just going to give him a little bit. I'm just going to give him a little touch of the spirit, just a little. That's not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is to fill your heart today with overflowing. That is the spirit of Christ to fill your heart, not just a little bit, but to overflowing. That's the spirit of Jesus. That's the spirit of Christ. Not to give you a little, little bit, not to make your life a little bit better, but that you would have abundant life. That you would live life, what, to the full? Oh, no, just a little bit. No, to the full. The whole spirit of Christ is about giving in generosity, giving more, not little bits. And I ultimately think that we need this gift to be reminded that it is so much better to give than to receive. We need to be reminded on a regular basis in our culture that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Church, if you've got the gift of giving in you, you need to give. Because as you give, the Spirit of God is going to light you up. As you give, he is going to reveal things to you about the rest of your life because you are functioning in the very way that you were supposed to be, that you were created to function. The rest of your life will be blessed because you function in your gift in obedience. Listen to me. The rest of your life will be blessed. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried about your family. You're worried about, you're worried, you're concerned about your job. I'm telling you, the rest of your life will be blessed when you step in to the obedience of walking in your gifting. You think, well, how is me giving this to this going to help my marriage? I don't know. It's called obedience. Jesus just blesses it. I don't know how it works. I just know that it does. Maybe that's not good enough for you. Maybe you want a step-by-step -step equation. I can't give it to you. I know that when we walk in obedience, he blesses us. If God's calling you to give, you need to give. He will bless your whole life if you obey. Your whole life. Would you pray with me? Folks, I honestly believe that as I was speaking today that there are some of you who thought of specific things to do to meet needs. There are some of you, God spoke to you to do specific things. He spoke to you. And I want you to know that wasn't me. That was the Spirit. That was God speaking to you. And that he is going to bless you when you walk in obedience to his voice. That he is going to bless you when you walk in obedience to his voice. And that God wants to reveal himself to others through your gift of giving. Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for our church. I thank you that we can gather together, that we can worship you. 
God, you're so generous. You're so willing to give amazing gifts to your people. But I pray that each of us, not just those who are gifted to give, but each of us would grow in, a, in having a giving spirit. That we would not hold so tightly to the things that we have. But I believe that each of us can grow in this manner. But I also believe that there are those who are absolutely gifted to do this extraordinarily well. And I pray that they would rise up. Yes, for the sake of those who need it, but, but even for the sake of those so that they can draw closer to you. They can get a sense of purpose in you as they function in that gift. God, I just thank you for those who came. and I pray that everyone felt welcome here today. And Father, I just, I just pray a blessing upon our fellowship now, Lord, at this time that we can share and eat together. And I just pray that we would make connection and that we would spend time loving one another and it would just be a, it would just a, a time of fullness and of laughter and of joy and encouragement. God, for those who brought food, Lord, I pray that you would bless it, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that we would just be so willing even to stay and give of ourselves for a few moments. We may have plans, but Lord God, I just eat giving of, even of ourselves is the spirit of Christ. So Lord, just bless this next few moments that we have together. Thank you for your spirit. God, for those, God, who, who, who are given hope, who are given peace, were given answers today, Lord, I pray that they would not allow the enemy to steal those words away, but they would treasure those words, that they would remember those words, that those are the moments that God spoke to me, and I'm going to hold on to them tightly, because they're truth and bring life to my bones. Give us a great day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.